Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, one more thing that I want to make sure I announce before I forget is if you came in, you probably saw a bunch of people from the the previous service at nine o'clock in the CLC. Well, we have a giant party that's going to be taking place, kind of a tailgate party. After this service, there is free food, which everybody likes. It tastes better when it's free, doesn't it? There's just something better about free food. Uh, And so we're going to ask you to join us over there um, after this service. Uh, They've done an incredible job getting it all set up. There's games and all that kind of stuff. People have been cooking all morning um, to get ready for everybody. So make sure you come in. And you hang out with us after, after service. So uh, this is the last week in a series of talks called Get Your House in Order. And what we've been doing for the last six weeks is we have been looking at the houses or the lives that we are building. And we've been evaluating kind of everything from the, the foundations that we have. And now we're going room by room. And the kind of the rooms represent different arenas of our life. And this last week, we're going to go to what is my favorite room in the house, the garage. Now, I love being in the garage. It is where I spend my days off. Um, It is my happy place. Amy likes Disneyland. I like the garage, okay? Um, And and for the the things that I do in the garage, I usually have some kind of project that I'm working on. Uh, It could be a house project. could be My most recent one, and it's kind of been my most consistent one for a while, as you know, is my uh, old truck that I'm trying to restore. I don't know how to do anything, but I'm figuring it out through YouTube. Uh, Like, hey, here's how you do it. And so um, this week, my wife came home from, work with the kids, and it was my day off, and she had seen what I was working on, and I think she got a little bit freaked out, and so she took a quick video to send to her friends to make sure that everything was okay. This is what I was up to. So uh, her concern was that our neighbors thought that I was cooking meth in our garage. I said, babe, it's a garage, not an RV. Obviously, I'm not cooking meth. I don't live in Bakersfield. Like, it's a whole... Anyway, sorry. That was rude. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, just, uh, for me, it's fun. I like getting out there. I like working. But um, I, I do spend a significant amount of time out there. And so that's really what we're going to talk about, is as we evaluate the different arenas of our life, um, what are we doing with our time? Now, for you, you may not spend a whole lot of time in the garage, but I'm sure there's another place in your house. Maybe, you know, you love watching movies or something. Like there's a place that that's where you sp- spend a significant amount of time. And so the question that I want to look at is, um, how do we spend our time well? And I want to give us just three really simple kind of ways to think through this, three words. It's this, perspective, purpose, and priorities. Uh, perspectives, purpose, and priorities. So let's start with perspectives. Or per- perspective. 3,500 years ago, Moses wrote a, um, what is probably the oldest psalm, and in it he gives us this perspective on time, specifically what time looks like from God's perspective. And so here's what he says. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that was, has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. And so what Moses is talking about here is he's talking about God's eternality. The fact that God has always existed and will always exist. 
When I was growing up, I'd heard this concept, you know, growing up in church is, oh yeah, God's been around forever and he'll continue to go on forever. And, and when you try to think of that, it just hurts your mind a little bit. You know, like have you ever looked up at the sky and then thought, does that just go on forever? What does it even mean? I can't even wrap my mind around that. And so for most of my life, I've just tried to ignore this whole concept of, of eternity, especially when it comes to, to God. And that was until about my mid to late 20s. Uh, part of my story is I went through what I would call a real crisis of faith. As I started to look at all the things that I had taught to believe growing up in church and being raised in a Christian home, and I thought, do I just believe those things because this is the family that I was raised in? Or do I believe them because they're true? And so for years, I went through this process of just trying to figure, okay, does God actually exist? And is Jesus who he claimed to be? Did he resurrect from the dead? And so I spent years of studying, trying to figure this out. And as I was doing that, I came across um, who eventually became an intellectual hero of mine. He's a philosopher and theologian named William Lane Craig. And the way that I initially found him was I would watch these debates on YouTube. And so this was the time um, where there was these new atheists. They had these very popular books about atheism. Uh, people like Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. And, and he would debate all of these uh, well-known atheists around uh, college campuses. And by most accounts, he would defeat them in the debates. Both believers and unbelievers said, man, he's, he really knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about here. And so I started to just consume more and more of this material by him, and I eventually found out that he would teach at the seminary here locally. He would fly in from out of town for two weeks, and he would teach a class. And I thought, you know what? Like, I, I've learned so much from this guy, and he just seems like so smart. I think it might be worth just going to seminary just to take that two-week course. And so I went to seminary, and I started his master's program, and immediately I enrolled into his class, and, and I get in, and it's during a winter break, and I, I remember it very distinctly as I walk in, there's about 20 people, and all of them for, are from different states and countries. And I sit down, and I start talking to the guy next to me, and I go, okay, what's your name? What do you do for a living? He says, well, I'm a physicist. He says, what do you do? I go, oh, I'm a junior high pastor. <laughs> we play silly games, you know, like, what do you do? Uh, and I started to listen to the topic and what it was all going to be out. And the class was called God, Time, and Eternity. And I very quickly realized how um, in over my head I was because day one was a four-hour lecture uh, followed by a Q&A and then reading. And the first day of reading was you need to read Einstein's General and Special Relativity, Master It by Tomorrow because we have a different subject we're going to be going over. And I go, ah, aha, aha, yeah, yeah, I barely graduated high school. So you think this is going to work for me or no? Uh, and so I wrestled through that class and it was just amazing being able to, to, to learn and think through some of these really big concepts. Although, you know, I'm not sure I really understood them most of the time. But as I walked away from that, uh, that class, what it did for me was it gave me a whole new perspective on not just time. Like there's people who think about philosophy of time. There's A theory and B theory and how does God really. But it also gave me this really brand new perspective on who God is. It is. If you don't think too much about God, you might be tempted to think that God is just like you and I where he's just a little bit bigger, a little bit older, a little bit more powerful than we are. But he's sort of like this old man in the sky kind of figure. As I learned more and more, and ever since then I've been learning more about God, I go, that, there is so much more to God than I could have ever even dreamed of. Like, let me give you an example. Now, theologians say that God has one of his attributes as a satiety. It means he has self-existence. So he relies on nothing else for his existence. He is the only thing that has that attribute. 
So you and I, we all rely on something prior to us to, to, for our existence. God is the only thing that does not. He is a self-existent person. And not only did he create everything that exists, he created time itself. Just, just try to wrap your mind around that. He lived prior to the creation of time in a timeless and changeless state. Do you even know what that means? No, that's crazy. That is so far beyond. But as you begin to try to think about these things, you just realize, wow, God is so much bigger than I could have even ever imagined, which I think is what Moses is trying to do, is he's trying to get us to step back a little bit and go, okay, you need to broaden your perspective because most of the time you're focusing on today and your life. Let's just step back and just try to get a glimpse of who God is. Do you see how much bigger God is, not just in your little life, and not even just our existence here on earth, not even just bigger than our universe. He is bigger than all of that. I think Moses just wants us to just step back and get a little bit of a glimpse. And then he compares God's perspective of time and ours. Here's what he says. He says, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. So he says, okay, now that you've got this perspective on who God is, let's look at your life. You are like grass that grows up overnight. The sun comes out and you wither and you die by that evening. That's how big your life is. I read an article recently and it said that the universe is uh, thought to be about 13.8 billion years old. And if you were to condense the history of the universe into one single year, your and, I are, your and I life, it would be 0.2 seconds of the history of the universe. Out of a year, you and I, 0.2 seconds. That is literally not even a blink of an eye. That is a blip. That is a nothing. He says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. He, Moses is going through a rough time. But they quickly pass and we fly away. This summer, uh, we went on summer family vacation. I don't know if we call them vacations because they're not very relaxing. What do we call them again, Ben? We call them family trips or traveling. I don't know. Um, patience, trying, trying times. I don't remember what they call them. But one of, the, one of the things that we came across when we were on our summer vacation was this really old chapel. And it was probably a couple hundred years old. And around it was a graveyard. And this is pretty common, especially in older churches. And so my kids found it really interesting to walk around, and they were going to see if they could find the oldest one. And so we were trying to find the oldest one. And, and if you've never seen them before, up until about 100, uh, maybe 200 years ago, almost every church would have a graveyard right next to the chapel. In fact, if you go to Europe, not only do they have, they have even some inside of the churches themselves, and I think part of the reason why they did this was because it was a reminder. As people were walking into their worship service, they had to step over some graves and look at some gravestones and go, oh yeah, that will be me soon. I better, I better focus. I better bring this level of intensity to my worship and to my prayer and to my learning because just like my uncle is buried right here, that's got to be me before I know it. And so uh, I, I threw this out for our staff. I don't think they've really bought into it yet. But I said, you know, here's what I think we should do. Go around campus. We'll get rid of all the plants on campus, okay? And we'll just start digging some plots around here. Maybe we can sell them off. We'll have like kind of a bulk discount for rooted groups and things like that. And, and so like when you're walking in, and we'll try to make them on this side of the campus. We don't want to bum the kids out. We get that. But we'll make it over here. So as you're coming in, you're just going to see headstones. And you're going to be like, oh, I better pay attention today. You know, this is, this, no, you're not into it. Okay, all right, all right. 
That went about like I thought it would. Um, but it just brings this level of intensity. Is, oh, yeah, I'm like here today and I'm gone tomorrow. That, that's real. That's a reality. And so here's uh, the conclusion of that section. Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It says, the beginning of using our time wisely is realizing how little of it we have. If you want to make your days count, you better begin to count your days. It is realize you have a very limited amount of time here on earth. And you can ignore it, and you can pretend like that's not the reality, but it is. And he says, that's actually the beginning of wisdom. Don't be depressed about that. You should use that as a way to fuel um, your intensity and your focus. But having the right perspective about using your time wisely isn't enough. Now, there's lots of people who talk about time management and how to best use your time. And the problem is um, they may be working towards a goal or a purpose that isn't going to be worth much at the end. That gets us to our second thing, which is purpose. In 1974, Ernest Becker, uh, Becker wrote a uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning book called The Denial of Death. And in it, he argues that most human action, like our careers, uh, raising families, hobbies, even helping other people, we do all of these things in order to either ignore or avoid the inevitability of death. That we're just trying to find some sort of significance and meaning in our life. That we want our life to be about something because we believe that if somehow our life matters and our legacy leaves on, it will make death feel just a little bit less final. But here's his conclusion, and not just his, but many, many thinkers throughout the years have said this. He says, the problem is, is your life will not count for anything. I know, this is like a party sermon so far, right? Like, you're ready to go. We're going to have Super Bowl. You're going to watch Super Bowl. Go, it's nonsense. This means nothing. Life is meaningless. You know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but he says, in the grand scheme of things, your life and my life is no more impactful than a rat or an insect. That all the things that you love, all the people that you love, all of the things that you've built and you've invested your time and energy into, he says, all of that will be gone and forgotten one day. Probably sooner than later. Just like the billions of people who came before you and you don't remember any of them or what they did, you will be the same as they are. Forgotten. It will be as if you never existed. And you know this to be true. I mean, try to think about who are your great-great-grandparents. They're your family. You don't know their names. You don't know what they were up to. Very few of us do. Guess what? That will be you soon. So what do we do? Marcus Aurelius um, Probably one of the most famous, or, or yeah, probably one of the most famous people in human history. You would think if someone has lived a life of accomplishment and legacy, it would be someone like him. And here's what he says Soon you will have forgotten the world, and soon the world will have forgotten you. There's all these best selling books. Uh, one of the top ones right now is about habits and how to create habits in order to get more things done and reach your goals. And I think, okay, if these guys are, are right, what's the point? So you can get more things done that will eventually be meaningless and dust at the end of the day? Is that the point of all of this? We're, we're running around trying to be effective and efficient with our time, and guess what? It doesn't matter. It's all lost. That's why Moses says this. He says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Here's what Moses and many other people have realized. Is if this life is about me, it is meaningless at the end. 
It's insignificant. There is no purpose. It all gets, gets wiped away at the end of it and forgotten. And so I need to find a purpose that is outside of myself, that is far bigger than me, that can, that, that can be a part of something that's a, a grand, that's going to actually change something. What, what are you going to be a part of that is bigger than God's eternal purposes? Nothing. And so Moses says, if my life is ever going to matter, I have to not serve my purposes in life, but I have to serve his purposes. And when I move from serving my purposes to his purposes, I go from things that I can accomplish in this short amount of time in my life to things that he can accomplish in and through me and throughout all of time. I go from doing things that are fleeting, that are temporary, that will be lost to eternal, impactful things. There's this one scene where Jesus, it's the only time that we get to see what he was like as an adolescent. He's 12 years old, and his parents are traveling, and they realize very quickly that they, they've lost him. They don't know where he is. And so they, they head back into the city where they just were, and for three days they're looking for Jesus. Can't find him anywhere. Eventually go, they go to the temple, and they find him there, and he's interacting with all the leaders, and they're amazed by what he has to say. And, and, and Mary, his mother, walks up to Jesus, and she's just very concerned. She's freaking out, like, where have you been? What have you been up to? And I love Jesus' response. It is just, it's so gangster. Here's what he says. He says, Mom, he didn't say Mom. I added that. He said, Mom, don't you know I'm about my father's business? He's like, Mom, I'm about that business. I'm busy. I got things to do. You think I got time to worry about what you're up to? I can't worry about that, Mom. I'm about my Heavenly Father's business. I'm about that life, Mom. I like that. Because I think that's a great summary of what it looks like to be a Christian is we get up every day and we go, dude, I'm about my Father's business. I can't, I can't be worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get all that stuff. Yeah, we got all the life things that we got to fix. But first and foremost, when I get up in the morning, I think I want to be about my Father's business. And so here's kind of the summary of the point I think Moses is trying to make, is you and I, we are here for a season and a reason. We're here for a season, and it is short, and we're here for a reason, and that is to glorify God. Now, for me, this all kind of exists in this philosophical kind of space where I go, okay, that makes sense, but like, what does this look like in my, my day-to-day life? How do I play this out? Well, 1,500 years after Moses, this guy named the Apostle Paul, he comes and he picks up where Moses left off. And here's what he says. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, notice what he says here. He says, be very careful how you live. Now, my immature mind, the first thing that comes into it when I think of this is, um, when the kids were really little, we had dogs. And as we started having more kids and their friends would come over to play and they would be in the backyard, one of the things that we'd have to tell them is, hey, um, be very careful where you walk because we may have missed a couple landmines out there. That's kind of what Paul's saying here is be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you walk because there are landmines everywhere. And so don't just walk aimlessly. Don't just kind of peruse through things, but be very intentional about the steps that you're taking. It says, making the most of every opportunity. So let's imagine that um, in your bank account every single day was deposited $1,440 at noon. And that is the only income that you have, which is going to be very difficult, um, or not difficult, but it's the only money that you have. And here's, the, here's kind of the deal, is... Uh, at the end of the 24 hours, it will be gone. So you have to spend it because it will go back to zero the next day. 
My guess is that um, you are going to be highly intentional about what you do with that money. Sure, it's going to be a lot of money, but you've got to spend it on something. And so what are you going to do with it? And you're going to probably come up with a plan. You're going to come up with a list of priorities. That's what uh, Paul is saying right here. Is he saying, um, you know how you try to get your money's worth? Well, you need to try to get your time's worth. Is you have 1,440 minutes every single day, and you don't get to save them up and use them all at the end. He says, every moment that passes is gone. And so how are you going to be intentional with that money? What you got to do is you got to prioritize. Put your order of priorities and then start to allot time just like you would with your money. And so as a Christian, here's my priorities. Uh, First one is God. The first priority is God. And so if that is my first priority, then I need to allot the uh, appropriate amount of time for that priority. It's not, okay, God, you're going to get the the leftovers at the end of the day, whatever time I might have left over. No, 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 no. Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that in my calendar first. So daily, I'm going to do some quiet time with God, read the scriptures and and pray. Or I'm going to, every weekend, I'm going to make sure I'm at church, or I'm going to be in my rooted, or I'm going to, so that's that's my first priority. Now, as as a person who's married, my wife, my spouse, she is my second priority. And so I'm going to give her the the second uh, space in in my list of things that I have uh, to prioritize. And so for for her and I, it will be be time together at the end of the day. It'll be date nights. It'll be, uh, I'm going to put those in my calendars before I put anything else. And then also for my my children. They're the third most important thing in my life. And so they're going to get that, that time allotted to them. As a parent who has three kids that are pretty young, most days I walk into my home, and before the door shuts behind me, I have, um, we'll call them requests by my children. <laughs> dad, 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 let's go play catch. Dad, 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 let's go skate. Dad, 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 look at what I did today. Oh, right? I, I kind of have to like pump myself up before I get out of the car and walk into the front door. I'm like, okay, baby, it's go, go time. It's go time. Here we go. Here we go. Those kids, you know they're going to be ready. You got to be ready, okay? And so I walk in there, and, and here's the deal, is my wife wanted children, and I agreed. <laughs> and when I agreed to have kids, um, I agreed to give them my time, to make them one of the top priorities of my life. Therefore, they get the top space when it comes to my time. And so, even though I'm tired and I want to walk in, I want to relax, I want to veg a little bit, I know it's go time. And so it's okay. We're going we're gonna to play for a little bit, and then we're going to have dinner together. We're going to talk about our highs from the day, and then we're going to have uh, a little time where we kind of just chill and maybe watch a show together. And then we're going to do bedtime and just story time and prayers. And, 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 and I get it because they're my priority, so they get my time. Recently, my youngest was having a real difficult just few weeks, and we weren't really sure what was going on with him. He's having meltdowns. He's crying all the time. It's just a, and Amy and I are just like, what is this kid's problem? You know, like, what is his deal? And so one day he said, Dad, I want to learn how to skateboard. I said, okay, well, let's go skateboard. And so I started to teach him how to skateboard, and, and we did that for about three or four days in a row, and his attitude changed dramatically. There was no more tears. There was no more whining. There was no more, all of a sudden, he was like a different kid. And I told my dad about this, and he goes, yeah, I used to do that with you growing up all the time. As I could tell, when you're getting a little sideways, even as a teenager, I go, I got to give him more time. I haven't been giving him enough time lately. And I want to just give my kids time, although that's a big part of it. And I don't want to just raise kids who turn out to be, you know, well-rounded adults who have some sort of success in life. Great, that'll be awesome. But what I want to do is I want to raise kids who become adults who love Jesus. 
And so that's going to also direct, not just prioritizing my time, but being intentional with that time with them. It's okay. Uh, you know, we're going to prioritize not just time, but we're going to prioritize reading the scriptures together and praying and being at church together, and I'm going to get them in rooted kids, and, and I'm going to be intentional with what I prioritize. Paul says, because the days are evil. The audience that he is writing to is the Ephesians, and, uh, or the church in Ephesus, and he says, look, the culture around you is trying to pull you away from Jesus. I mean, everything that they believe, everything that they do is in direct opposition to how you're trying to live. And so you got to wake up every day realizing they're trying to pull you away, whether they know it or not. And they're trying to lure you away from your faith and how you're supposed to live. And so he says, be very careful because there are landmines everywhere. And then this is what I like about Paul. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. This is like his conclusion. In some translations, it says, don't be stupid. I like that. I get that. You know, sometimes that's how my wife has to talk to me. I just go, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I should not be stupid. That's, I didn't even think about that. That's great. Um, is he, he says, don't be stupid. You know better. You know, you know better than that. Don't let other people dictate what you're going to do with your time. Don't let them dictate how you're going to live and what your values and what you're going to live for. Don't, don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to end up in a place where you don't want to be. He says, instead, understand what the Lord's will is. What is the Lord's will? Well, he wrote this entire book for us. And he says, this is my will for your life. And people always get hung up like, well, but what is God's will for like my life, my individual life? He goes, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. As you start to follow my will, just my will, then you're going to figure out what I have for you specifically. But just be obedient. Just keep following. Just keep getting to know me. And then I'll reveal things to you as we walk together. And so uh, the way I wanted to end this weekend is for me, I have to have something that um, I, I have to write down either on my phone or I have to write down because if I just walk out of a room and I've heard some things like, oh, I should do that, but I don't actually write it down, I'll forget it. And so I made these little cards for you and um, I want you to take these cards and before we leave, I want you to fill these out. And, and it's very, very simple. The first one is what are the things that you need to add in your schedule? What are the things that you need to add in your schedule? So maybe it's something like exercise where you go, man, I need to, you know, I, I need to get in shape. I need to get out of bed. I need, to, I need to do that. Or maybe it's, I've just been avoiding a lot of the baggage that I've been carrying around. I need to start meeting with like a, a therapist or something and start dealing with it. Maybe it's spiritual disciplines. You go, man, I've never actually done those where I've read the scriptures and, and prayed. And so maybe I need to add that into my schedule. Or maybe it's finally getting into a rooted group. Those are, our signups are available right now. And so you've never done that. And you think, I need to do that. And the second thing is, what do you need to subtract from your schedule? So for some of you guys, you need to write a name in there. Put an initial just in case they see it. So you're like, well, what is that? It's like, oh, no, it's a friend. Don't worry about it. If it's your, don't write your spouse, though. That's bad. Don't write your spouse. Um, that's a problem. But maybe there's just some relationships that are just pulling you down. They're just not helping you get where you need to go. And, and they're not interested in moving either. And so you're just going to go, you know what? I love them. God bless them. But I can't spend time with them. Then the last two is what do I need to increase and decrease with my time? So maybe it's, you know what? I make it to church once, twice a month. And I, yeah, I got to up that. I got I to gotta make sure that I'm here every single weekend. Or uh, maybe it's something like um, a habit or an addiction is, man, I really got to gotta limit that. I got to, for me, uh, the last 21 days has revealed how much time I spend on entertainment, like YouTube specifically. 
I get in this YouTube vortex and I get lost in it sometimes. And I've realized, wow, I waste a lot of time on just mindless entertainment. And then finally, what uh, do I need to, what do I need to increase or what do I need to decrease? So um, I spoke to someone this week and they, they were going to come on staff as a volunteer to help uh, some ministry projects that we have. And his response was, you know, I think it's going to be like a full-time job that I'm going to have to do and it's really going to affect my golf game. I said, but I think it's worth it. I said, of course it's worth it. Golf is lame. Who cares about golf, you know? Just kidding. Some of you guys are like so offended. I could have said anything, but golf? It's sacrilegious. Anyway, um, no, no, but like, he was like, you know what? I, I might need to eliminate some of that so I can increase this over here. And so maybe there's some things that you need to increase and some other things that you need to decrease. Maybe it's the amount of work hours that you're putting in. But here's what I would like you to do, is as you fill that out, um, discuss it with somebody. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Uh, if you're in a rooted group, talk in your rooted groups about this. If there's somebody who you're close to as a believer or a friend, talk to them about it. Because one of the things that's going to be beneficial, at least it is for me, is not just writing it down and forgetting it, but actually having someone keep you accountable. They can check in and go, hey, hey, remember you said you needed to do this? How are we doing on that? Where are we at with this? Because what we value, we will prioritize. And so if we want to spend our time well, we've got to make sure that we spend it on things that are most important. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for, thank you for the time that you've given us. Um, some of us have more time than others here on this earth, and yet no matter how much time we have, unless it's spent with you, it really adds up to nothing. And so Lord, help us to become people who are wise with our time, that we make our lives about your purposes and not our own. And so Lord, um, as we walk out of here today, I just pray that, of course, we would have fun, that we would be able to connect as a community, but also maybe that there would be something that would change uh, in the way that we use the time that you have given us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right. Will you guys stand with me? Please head over to the CLC. It's all decked out. It's going to be a great time over there. Free food for everybody, and we'll, uh, we'll see you over there. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message, and remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.